Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Luke 1, 39 through 56. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Luke in your Bible. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in, in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is where the Lord thinks. Be to God. Thank you, Sam, uh, for leading us in worship and, and reading scripture for us. Uh, I've discovered that when I pray without the, the thingy here, I don't know which way I'm actually facing. And when I finally open up my eyes, like I'm off center. I don't know if that matters to anybody but me. But it's just, it's what it is. Well, um, one of the things that I've learned is that uh, past actions can indicate like future actions or, or future events. Um, and, and this is true, I think, for human relationships. I think it's true for cars and baseball. Um, I know, I know that every April 1st that my dear and lovely wife is going to try to do something heinous to trick me. <laughs> so I, I, I know because of her past, her past actions that I can predict with a good deal of certainty what she's going to do. Maybe not exactly. She's squinting at me. See, I knew you were going to do that. So I, I, I act appropriately. I am suspicious of everything she says. I check to make sure that there is sugar in the sugar bowl and not salt. Ruined a cup of coffee. Ah. Uh, and all those things, and I just, I know, I know that's how she's going to do it. I know with a, with a solid degree of certainty that if we try to watch a television show before bed, that she will be asleep. Well, first she'll say, I'm going to stay awake this time. <laughs> and then I look over and like, you know, the credits haven't even finished and she's out. I just, I just know, I just know that that's going to be the case. I love you. Uh, it's the same for, for cars. My second car was a 1984 Honda Accord. And I paid $900 for it. 
$19. It was worth about $19, let me tell you. But I thought it was really cool because the hood didn't open up this way, it opened up this way. You ever have a car that's like, oh. And it was a, it was a five-speed transmission, and boy, I stalled that thing so many times. But I knew, I knew that if it was about 40 degrees and damp, that if I had to stop, the thing would die. Like if you, know, you didn't keep the, the gas on it. Uh, it. It would happen even as I would like, you know, like drift through a left-hand turn with a, you know, and it would just, in the middle of the intersection, be dead. But since it was a five-speed, five just pop it in gear and let the clutch fly, and hopefully it came back on. But uh, I knew because of its past behavior that it would do that, and, and I, knew, um, I knew that if it rained, the aftermarket sunroof would leak. And so I knew because of past behaviors that I needed to put plastic bags on the seat. Otherwise, I would be wet on the way to school. Uh, maybe the greatest example of this is baseball. Now, I'm a huge baseball fan. I don't know if you are. And uh, one of the things that I think is the bane of baseball is the, uh, is the infield shift. Fans of baseball? Yeah, yeah. It's where they take three infield, infielders and move them onto one side because they know like the, the left-handed batter is going to hit all ways to the, to, the, to the second base side, right? And it's the same for the, for the right-handed batters. And so they just know. They know because they've kept statistics and they have tracked down past behaviors that this is where the batter is going to bat, so they do that. Uh, past behaviors are a fantastic indicator of maybe current and future events and actions. This is, in essence, uh, what Mary is saying today in her song. I, I, hopefully, by the time we are done, uh, I, we will have been encouraged to look back and uh, I thought it smelled something. You let me know if it catches on fire, because that just would be fitting. Uh, <laughs> that we would be encouraged to, to examine the way in which God has been faithful in the past. Uh, not just through Israel, but, but for us as well. And that we might find uh, joy and comfort and rest in the fact that God's past actions predict future responses and activity. Well, we've um, we started Advent with uh, two different storylines. We have the first storyline, which is Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, and they are old and barren. Uh, we said that, that Advent begins in barrenness because that's where we feel the world. That's where the world is. And, and we said uh, on the first week that we experience barrenness in two kinds of ways. The, the physical way, uh, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth experienced it, where they were unable to have children. We experience that kind of in the, in the brokenness of our bodies and things like cancer and sickness and, and the things that keep our bodies from being everything that God's created them to be. And we also said that barrenness is kind of like existential as well. It's the, the hopelessness and the despair and the darkness that, that seems to be in the air that we breathe. Uh, we said it was appropriate to start Advent in this barrenness because it is moving from barrenness to hope that the God who created the world is going to restore it and fix it. Uh, that God is so strong and powerful that he's able to bring life where the proper ingredients for life do not exist. And so from an old couple who is unable to have children, uh, John the Baptist will be born. An important part of God's 
mission through Jesus Christ of salvation for the world. Well, we, Luke left off that, um, left off that storyline, and we pivoted towards a young lady named Mary, and she was engaged to be married, uh, and the angel Gabriel showed up to her and said, hey, you're going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. And uh, this was a shock to her, as you might imagine, uh, but she, she responds in faithfulness, saying at the, at the very end of the passage, uh, here I am, the servant of the Lord, may it be as you have said. Uh, and, and we said, we, we, we contemplated the, the way in which God like, physically uses Mary. That she allows herself to be used uh, to participate in God's salvation in the world at, at a very fundamental uh, and basic level. And, and I, we asked how it is that God might, might use us in that same kind of way. Uh, to be a people who help the world move from the barren brokenness that we experience into hope, into love and joy. Well, those, uh, those storylines have come together in today's uh, passage. And uh, Luke tells us that uh, immediately, well, quickly anyway, Mary sets off to go visit her relative Elizabeth. Now, um, they don't live, they're not like neighbors. It's a, maybe a 70-mile journey from the north in uh, in Nazareth, Galilee, where Mary lives, down to uh, south of Jerusalem, where uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth leave, live. And she makes this travel, and, and uh, we're told that Elizabeth is six months along in her pregnancy. Uh, we don't really know why um, Mary makes this journey. Uh, we had a good discussion this morning, uh, and it really doesn't matter why she makes the journey. I guess uh, it's interesting to, to contemplate. Uh, but she does, and, and she shows up. She shows up at Elizabeth's house, and she enters, and she gives a greeting. Uh, and we'll pick up the story right there, verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Uh, Mary goes, and, and I, maybe she's helping out with the baby. Maybe she knows that Elizabeth is going to need some help because she's old. Uh, but she goes, and, and, and she does what she's supposed to do in the day. She is the person of lesser status. And so she goes and visits Elizabeth and offers a greeting. Because that's kind of how it was. Remember we talked about that with the, the Sadducees a couple of weeks ago where the Sadducees uh, wanted to go into the marketplace and expected that other people would greet them first because they thought they were, you know, really super important. That's kind of the same, the same thing that's in play here. Mary sees herself as, as the, the, le- the lesser one. Uh, she's less important. Um, but that's not how Elizabeth ends up seeing uh, this thing. Uh, well, first, uh, I think Elizabeth knows what's going on. I don't know if the angel told her exactly what was happening, uh, but the Holy Spirit has come upon her, and in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people to do God's will for Israel, to help bring about salvation for God's people. And so the fact that, that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and John too, consequently, in, in the womb, um, well, Luke's helping us to understand 
that something big and something important is going to happen. And Elizabeth is beginning, because of her having the Holy Spirit, beginning to understand just what that is. So she knows. She knows in her heart who it is that come, has come to visit her, and she knows the importance of her relative Mary. But she's a little, she's a little uh, uh, with that recognition that she knows how important Mary is, and the, the job that God has given Mary, she's a little confused. Uh, while it would have been normal for Mary to offer this greeting, uh, Elizabeth, uh, well, Mary doesn't do it. And so she wonders out loud, and why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes for me, comes to me? Uh, sorry. Yeah, okay, there's one more. Uh, for, for as soon as I heard the sound of greeting, the child left in my womb, and then verse 45. And blessed is she who is believed who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord has spoken, uh, what is spoken to her by the Lord. So, so Mary, uh, Elizabeth verbalizes this, this question that she has. She has, she has no idea why someone so important would come and visit her. And yet she embraces it, and she's thankful, and, and she offers a blessing for Mary. Now the word that Luke uses here for blessed is the same word that Jesus will use in the, the Sermon on the Mount blessing. Someone on whom God's favor has rested uh, because they have been, well, they've been included in what God is doing in the world. Uh, I think Elizabeth begins to understand what it is that, that Mary is doing and, and the impact that the child that she has will bear in the world. Mary responds, um, and so this is going to be the third time that we've read this today, which is not, which is not a bad thing. Uh, Mary responds and says, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Uh, now, right off the bat, what she is going to say here, or sing, speak, I've called it a song because I think that's kind of what it is. Um, it's in the vein of a declarative psalm of praise. So kind of like uh, if you were to look up Psalm 8, it would be look a little bit like this. And, and so what Mary is going to do is she's going to create this uh, this song, and she's going to use bits and pieces of different parts of Scripture to proclaim what it is that God has done in the world already. Ah, she's going to say, my soul, like because of all of these things, my soul magnifies the Lord. My, my soul is giving praise and thanksgiving to God because, because of what God has done in the world previous, what God has done for Israel and through Israel, and and because of what God is doing in me and through me for the sake of the world. At, at verse 48, um, there's a string of verbs. Uh, for he has looked with favor on the lowly, on the lowly his servant. Uh, he has done great things. We'll go, his mercy is for those who, are, who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and scattered the proud of the thoughts, uh, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from the thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good, good things and sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promises he made to his ancestors, to our ancestors, to Abram and to his descendants forever. There's a series of verbs there, and they're all in the Greek accusative or aorist tense. 
Now, uh, I know you don't care about Greek grammar, and I really don't either, but this is really, really important. Uh, the Greek aorist tense has uh, what communicates something that happens in the past, but that's kind of undefined and, and, and not closed yet. It is a past action that has continuing consequences into the future. Past action that has continuing consequences into the future. In other words, the, the thing that God has done, the thing that Mary is singing about is not just something that is God has done in the past and it's over and gone, but that it is something that God has done and is continuing to do in the world. God's salvation for Israel, and I think for us too, is never just something that's done. It is always in the process. It is always in the working in us and through us. Does that make sense? It's not that we are just static in our salvation or in our faith. Now, we don't want you to think you're not saved or whatever, all that. But I want us to think is that, that what God is doing in us what God is doing through Mary, what God is doing through Jesus is not just something that's over and done with the cross, but that's a continual movement of God in the world. Uh, to do things like bind up the brokenhearted and recovery of sight to the blind and help those who are crippled to walk again. All things that Jesus will say in a couple of chapters he has come to do. I think Mary composes this song this way. Uh, because she's, she's saying, look, what, what is happening in me is a continuation of God's salvation for Israel, for the whole world too. That, that God's salvation isn't done, but that it's continuing to go on and it shapes how we're going to see the world going forward. We, we have this really great discussion about the importance of remembering uh, this morning. And this is what Mary is doing. She is remembering, albeit in a poetic way, she is remembering the mighty acts of God. She is confessing God's faithfulness to God's people. She's confessing God's faithfulness to a world that is broken and that has largely rejected this God. And, and what remembrance does, by helping us to, to realize and understand the power and strength of God, what God can do in the world, it helps to, well, it helps us to have a good, helps us to see what God might be able to do in the future. It helps us to have an imagination to the things that God wants to accomplish in the world. I, I feel like this morning, before the prayer, like it's really easy to get caught up in the darkness. I think that's maybe kind of where I was at that moment. Like, just have had conversations with folks who are dealing with some just tough things. Ah, just hopelessness and all, all sorts of things. And it's really, really easy just to get bogged down in that moment and to, to, to just be like, all is lost. Or, or at very least to be like, I'm out. 
what remembering does. And I think this is so important for us, specifically at times like Advent. What remembering does is reminds us that, that God has not given up on this world that is broken, but that God is committed to it. And that God is moving the world from barrenness and brokenness to hope and flourishing. And when we remember, I think something happens to our vision that we are able to see the possibilities of a future where brokenness does not exist. Not just way down far in, in, in the end of time when Christ returns again. Uh, but that helps us to imagine that in these dark places here and now, that God can work and God can use us in the same way that God used Mary to bring about salvation, restoration. Mary is in a difficult time, I would say, trying to understand all of this. In the midst of that, she remembers. And that remembrance causes her to have joy. Uh, to sing a song of praise, even, even when it may not feel like it's the right thing to do. So may, maybe, maybe for you, I, I don't know, for me, for sure, this is what I need to do today. I need to remember I need to remember the story of God's goodness and graciousness all throughout the Bible. And I need to remember the stories of God's goodness and graciousness to the people and family in my life who have known darkness and death and despair and yet who have come out the other side in God's goodness and God's grace, whole and free and restored. And even though that's difficult, I think that it gives me joy. <laughs> it gives me joy because I know that, like, we're not alone. We're together. And the Spirit is with us, empowering us, calling us, strengthening us. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.